Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. A special interview today. We have a very special guest on the line, Nikki from Fairway Birdies. Nikki, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. It's uh, been something that we've been talking about, Jamie, yourself, myself, for a little while, getting you onto the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, just to, I guess, give us a, a, a different perspective and, and talk to us about golf from how you see it from your side being on the female perspective and just golf in general and, and how girls love the game of golf and how we can, I guess, understand a little bit more about from a mental mastery perspective, how to help uh, engage with the girls a little bit better and a little bit more. And so, Jamie, Jamie's on the other end there. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Roscoe. Very well. Nikki, great to have you on. Um, I'm excited about this podcast for a variety of reasons. One being, uh, I suppose, my wife is a, a professional poker player and rewind sort of 10 or 12 years being in such a male-dominated environment and starting a career and just the intimidation factor that she felt back then and the, the uncomfortableness of being in that environment and um, just being part of such a, a, a big minority. And uh, I know women in golf can feel the same way. So getting you on board and having a chat to you and, and about your Fairway Birdie, uh, Birdies group is, is just something I've been looking forward to for a while. So it's great to have you on. So Nikki, oh, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there's many, many women out there that are keen to hear from you. <laughs> that's great. That's and that's why that's why we're doing this because it's really, really important. Um, Nikki, why don't you give us a little bit of a snapshot of Fairway Birdies and some of the work that you've done in creating that group and and what you're really trying to achieve with Fairway Birdies? Well, I'll start with my history with Jamie Glazier. He came to visit Kingston Heath a couple of years ago and I was um, just kind of starting out in our Friday pennant team um, and uh, I hadn't had that much experience. Um, I certainly was experienced with uh, muddling up my mind playing golf. That had, that, that had kicked in definitely. <laughs> um, but it was great to hear from Jamie and just to see from that you know, side of the um, golf club, how to really, you know, integrate it into my game. So, yes, I've been watching him ever since. Um, but anyway, yeah, Fairway Birdies, wow, that started because my 17-year-old daughter said, right, you're obsessed with golf. It's uh, time you should get a blog happening, a golf blog. So there it all began then and we had a, you know, website, Instagram page, um, Facebook all teed up in two hours. Um, and um, three, nearly three years down the track. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to say I've probably inspired over 200 women to take up the game, um, along with all the, the other women that have been playing. Um, but I've kind of created a brand that is promoting women's golf from grassroots. And that's, it started off with a lot of um, my girlfriends who already played golf but um, it's just spilled out 
into the big wide world. Um, and um, yeah, we've we're look, the girls are loving it, and I, I hear from so many women um, via messages and emails just saying we're addicted, you know, just like the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've been fortunate enough through knowing you for, you know, a good part of that three years to have met some of the girls that you've introduced to the game and, you know, they've been able to articulate to me how they fell in love with the concept of golf and then, you know, to take it to the next step to actually get out there and and start playing golf. And I guess what I started to get a sense of, which wasn't as clear to me, but, you know, when I met the, the guys that you brought in, and I was able to help is that that step between getting an interest in golf and then making the step to want to go out and do it and, and engage was a really big thing. I don't know. Is that, did I get that sort of sense right? Is that sort of how you read it? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. And, and with the promoting of women's golf, I kind of use golf as the tool to the health benefits that golf gives you. So I, built up their confidence and their self-esteem to step outside of their box and be able to make the next step and take on because a lot of women look at golf and just put it in the hard basket and think no I can't do that it's I I don't I never see I, I don't I'm never in a situation where I see a lot of female golfers playing golf and so they miss out on seeing a community that these ladies are part of which is the whole basis of starting um, golf. I mean, me personally, um, the biggest draw card to golf is the community that I'm part of. And, um, and I just wanted to share that. And I, and I think that's why Fairway Birdies has succeeded is because it's about making new friends. It's about catching up with old friends. It's about the health benefits. You guys get that too. I mean, Jamie was saying today he loves his Wednesdays, turning up, catching up with his buddies and, you know, having 18 holes and just talking about everything. Um, probably they're, they're at you asking questions about their mental game. But um, it's, it's four hours of my life that I get out there. I don't think about anything else but this white ball and, and catching up with the three women and, you know, whatnot in the clubhouse afterwards. And then you leave and back to the normal lifestyle. So that's what that that was the main. That's how Fairway Birdies has established itself now is by selling this awesome game that just brings you so many you know beneficial lifestyle options. So for some of the newer golfers that came into the group, what were their particular challenges or hurdles? What what were they sort of trying to overcome mentally that made the transition to to wanting to play golf? You know, we sold them the benefits of you know that it's a great community, it's it's healthy, but were there any sort of particular sort of concerns or worries that the, the guys had that you were talking to about picking the stick up and hitting the white ball? Yes. And it wasn't actually the activity itself. Right. It was all about people watching them okay. and being embarrassed if they made a fool of themselves. That's pretty much what it came down to. Yeah, okay. So I would then lurch into just building their confidence and self-esteem. And, and that's pretty much when you read the content through Fairway Birdies, that's what it's all about, is just encouraging them to get out there. And and I was saying to Jamie today, I you know, it would be great to have some feedback on how these girls can push those fears away yeah. to step out into that, yeah, in, and put themselves in a situation because 
most of them now, a year later, have all said, oh, I don't know what I was worried about. It's easy. I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, what do you think when you you hear uh, Nikki articulate that? Oh, look, I think the first thing comes to mind for me is when Nikki was talking about selling the health benefits of golf, there are, there are so many great benefits to, to playing golf, the walking, the exercising. But unfortunately, through the last sort of four or five years of working with club-level golfers and especially women, the negative effects sometimes the stress and anxiety can have on their mental health, they lose the actual benefit um, from an overall health perspective. They, you know, the two days before a round of golf, they're uptight, they're anxious, they're worrying, concerned about what's going to happen in a couple of days' time. The whole day out there, they don't enjoy one second of it. And then they relive that whole day of anxiety the two days after. So that's not a pleasant place for anyone to live in, no matter what environment or situation it is. So I think my number one priority, and we've spoken about this many times, Roscoe, is trying to bring this type of content to the club level golfers so we can reduce stress and anxiety, increase enjoyment. That's the number one most important thing. And then ultimately you'll also increase performance. So I think my first focus point um, for tonight's podcast is to help deliver some strategies around not eliminating stress and anxiety because that's going from zero to a hundred pretty quick. Mm. Just trying to actually make it more of a functional stress or a functional anxiety so it's not having such a negative impact and then get those ladies to be at that point in three months time instead of 12 months time that they're like oh what was I worried about everything's okay if we can accelerate them getting from where they are to that point then that's that's a really really uh a great outcome because I would imagine, Nikki, you would probably lose a few ladies along the way that just can't handle it anymore. Yes, yeah, yep, definitely. So, um, yeah, so, so, um, sorry. So that hindrance within um, the start of their journey um, obviously is um, uh, taking progress away from it. Yep. So if they didn't have that anxiety and that fear yep. it would all happen a lot quicker absolutely yeah so I, I, absolutely. I've, I've seen a bit, little bit of that with the the guys that you know i've helped with their clubs and you know just even doing a club fitting in front of me you know the the stress to perform and i really try and go to lengths to create a very comfortable environment and you know like i don't care about how well the ball goes how high how long how far we just want to have fun and that's i guess the message that i take um and try and you know pass on to the the guys that you brought to me the girls that you brought to me um you know and i guess what i'm thinking is if someone's listening to this podcast that isn't already playing golf you know if one of the listeners passes it on to a friend husband wife partner whoever that we create this understanding that golf's a great game to get into but then Moving into the the everyday club golfer, you know you've had as much, if not more, experience. You know with the the um, guys that you play golf with on a week to week basis. How do you see the difference for the established golfer? You know what are some of the challenge challenges and changes and stresses and anxieties and things that we all deal with as regular golfers? What do you, what do you see there? 
Well, I see. I I see the whole. Um, I see the difference in expectation. Right. So, a grass grassroots um, golfer, there's not a lot of expectation because mm-hmm. they're still, you know, dabbling in um, in experience, getting it. Um, but with the with the established golfer, yes, the expectation um, of performing every time they go out, um, uh, the expectation of I mean, even um, it can affect um, a, a, an experienced golfer by um, playing um, or wanting to play to their handicap every time they go out. And if they play with someone on a higher handicap, their their expectation of performing in front of other people is also higher as well. So that often affects their um, their mental status, you know, within that 18 holes and it can derail your game because you're not performing the way you should be because your handicap's much lower than everyone else in your group. Um, so, you know, there'd be, there'd be helpful to have some strategies, strategies you know, um, to, for dealing with something like that for an experienced golfer on a lower handicap. Um, but, you know, most of the girls that I play with, um, uh, they're... Pr- I, I, I would hope that golf is changing in a way where we are enjoying it more and it's becoming more social and especially after what we've just been through. You know, life is just worth taking every bit and enjoying it and, and I do think that we probably will look at it different. Um, but then again, when we get out on the golf course, who's to know because sometimes you forget and you think, oh, yeah, I should be performing better today and... Um, and you lose sight of reality, but but um, you know I think um, it's the whole dealing with expectation. No matter you know what standard you're at, that can trick you up. So Jamie, I think yeah, I think Nikki, you're, you're absolutely spot on. I just want to say one thing that is extremely relevant around the discussions that we've already had is that we are not talking about a specific issue that is strictly experienced by only female golfers. Mm. Everything that you you explained before, Nikki, about the fear of embarrassment, about, um, you know, uh, doing something wrong and the concern of that, these things are experienced by men as well. It's just that our, um, our macho ego won't allow us to actually show that or say that, but it's a, what we actually experience personally is, uh, is of a very similar, um, very similar sort of uh, level and pattern. And I think you, you said it there yourself before, expectation management is really, I think it's one of the most, if not the single-handed most important mental pattern for golfers of all level to to grasp where a healthy expectation is for them. And um, I said something on our phone uh, phone call earlier today and I I remember there was a bit of a pause after I said it because you you weren't sure how to take it and then you said something then, then, Nikki, about the amount of times you play golf that you would like to play to your handicap. Now, can you can you remember? I gave I, I mentioned a percentage of time where we play to our handicap in our phone call earlier today. Can you remember that percentage? 
Um, one. <laughs> no, I can't remember. Yeah, it's like five to seven or five to eight percent of the time a yeah. club level golfer will play to their handicap, which is 36 points or above. Yes. But it's our natural human nature and our, and our, it's just how we're made to drive to the golf course and think, wouldn't it be great today if I had 36 points? Well, that's my goal. I just want to play to my handicap. But the way handicaps are, are given, they're not given on 100% of your scoring average. They're given on a small amount of your volume rounds. Correct. So it's, it's not really a fair indicator of your expectation. If you're playing off five, you probably expectation every single round would be maybe to shoot nine over or better. Um, and I say to a lot of people that instead of having an expectation of 36 points, try and have an expectation of consistency where you set yourself a task. I'm going to try and play five rounds in a row where I have 30 points or more. Now, what happens there is if we do make a mistake or we have a wipe, our, our emotional response to that outcome is a lot different if our expectation is 30 points or more as opposed to 36 points or more. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's just having a healthier expectation that facilitates uh, better performance, that facilitates more of a, um, a resilient sort of emotional state and a resilient mindset. So we sort of just move on from a mistake and we don't let it affect us too much. Um, and I think one of the things that is probably the most important thing for, you know, all golfers, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about women golfers at the moment, in that environment where they get to the course and they're worried and they're concerned, they're anxious about making a mistake or doing something wrong, and all that stress and anxiety that starts to take over their body, they try and avoid that, try and block it out, try and, I suppose, you know, not experience that anxiety because it's uncomfortable. But the first thing is I, I, I say to the ladies is from a pre-game routine point of view, they're no different to a professional golfer. Two days prior to a tournament, a professional golfer is starting to prepare for the tournament. So... Uh, a club level golfer, a lady that's just starting, they're anxious about the, uh, you know, the Saturday round or the Sunday round, two days prior, start to actually prepare that that is what's going to happen. They're going to start to feel a bit anxious. They're going to start to feel a bit nervous and that's normal and it's okay. It doesn't mean anything, but then start to actually prepare for what are some of the things that trigger their anxiety greater than, than, than other things It might be, um, it might be, uh, you know, I suppose getting in someone's way or it might be topping the ball off the first tee. People might have different triggers and it's actually just preparing for those triggers that have the, the bigger impact on them from a, an anxiety point of view because you would probably be able to explain what your big triggers are for anxiety or stress when you go to the golf club. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can remember standing on the first tee at Ivanhoe when I first started, and I was and and um, I think I'd done 
five clinics and um, and I was absolutely terrified and I can still remember topping it and it went so far left. I wasn't even, I think I ricocheted back onto the putting green. So I was absolutely terrified. But um, over time I have, it's, it just, it's just become like automatic that I just, I, I still feel that anxiety but I also try and, you know, after playing for 12 years, I still, I'm, I'm able to control it myself from within and I can yeah. take myself to a practice fairway or um, uh, visualise the last time I hit a shot. So I, I'm able now to use some mental strategies to yeah. control it. And yeah. it's not as, it's not as you know, life-threatening as I used to think it was. Yeah. So, um, and I can... Um, Sorry, I'm um, digressing here, but if if uh, we've got a few beginner girls at our club now, and I'll take them down there, and I'll be chatting at the same time as they're teeing off, just to yeah. take that silence away from the situation, yeah. and um, just making it as uh, as as relaxed and comfortable as possible for them, because I know what they're going through. I know I've been there. I've done it, yeah. um, but I know that yeah, getting past that, there is so much you know there to offer you. So. Yeah. Um, and you were a, yeah, you I were know. a relative it, beginner at Ivanhoe when you did that, when you topped it off the first absolutely. team? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely yeah. beginner, yeah. Yeah. So I had yeah. a mate that um, we mentioned in um, a Facebook Live I had with him, uh, Chris Smith, big guy, big English sort of ex-footballer. Um, he, I caddied for him at the Portsea Pro-Am a few years ago and yeah. he was would have been about a 12 marker, so pretty decent golfer. And yeah. On the first, you know, he's having a bit of fun and gets the first tee and it's his turn to sort of tee up the ball. And I could see all of a sudden just this stress take over his body and he completely topped it off the first in front of, you know, a little bit of a crowd. But it's, you know, it's just something that um, I call a brain fade. When we start to think about and worry about all the externals and we start to access some of that, emotional component to the situation the fear the embarrassment those those sort of thought patterns we create what's called brain fade where we don't actually see things as clearly as what they are we don't you know we're looking at the golf ball but we don't really even see it because our mind's just so busy um so what we try and do is there's a thing that we talk about information over emotion or actions um so information is okay I have a driver in my hand. What do I need to do to try and make good contact with this driver? Do I need to swing smoothly or uh, do I need to keep my eye on the ball or do I need to follow through to the target? Something that the, the, the golfer has had experience with, an action, a, a specific action or information, so swing feel, something their coach has given them or a tip you may have given them, and actually focus all their mind on that action and that will distract them from the emotional element to that situation, which is similar to what you were saying before about talking to the girls so that you don't have them in that silent internal sort of mode. Mm. So all yeah. I would say is, you know, two things. Um, we can call it our own little AA if you like. It's It's... Focusing on the actions, what are the specific actions that you need to actually try and focus on here? And you can go through all the little steps, ball position, 
out in front, you know, opposite my, my, my lead heel or um, I've got a driver so I want to hit up on it. So those specific actions. And then an acceptance of feeling uncomfortable. That it's, yeah. it's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's, it's normal and it doesn't mean anything. I talk a lot about, you know, a cloud in the sky. Just because there's a cloud in the sky doesn't mean it's going to bring rain. Yeah. Okay, and the, the same for negative thinking or or um, or doubtful thinking or uncomfortable emotional states, they're there, but it doesn't mean they're going to produce a poor performance. And then after a little while, once the golfer starts to go through that process of focusing on an action, accepting that you know the negative thought or the uncomfortable feeling doesn't mean anything, and they start to have a little bit of success, all of a sudden that stress and anxiety starts to go away and not completely away but but diminishes to a, le a level that we can still perform in and that's that's ultimately what what we want to do we want to be able to just lower that stress and anxiety so they can actually function uh to a reasonable level and then that's where confidence comes from so um you know that focusing on the actions and and having acceptance that that uncomfortable feeling or negative thinking is normal, but it doesn't really mean anything. Can I ask yeah. a question? Um, is there, are there any training practices, any things that you can do pre-round that can help you get into that more focused state to prepare for those actions? You know, so I, Nikki, you know, it's usually me that's giving away, you know, some of the, um, you know, golf related behavioral content and, uh, I recently topped a ball in front of US Open champion Jeff Ogilvie, and I've probably told that story on the podcast maybe, but, you know, here is a three hand, three and four handicapper, you know, topping the ball on the first tee in front of Sue O and Jeff Ogilvie, US Open champion, and I can I could articulate the dialogue that was going through my mind probably verbatim before I hit, made it, I didn't hit, the, I barely hit the ball. Good but, character, Ross. Good sorry? character. Exactly. Yeah. It builds but, on your good character. But... I guess, you know, for me that was that moment of, you know, brain fade that Jamie talked about that because he knows that my strong point is that part of my game. But here I was having this moment of brain fade. I was in a different, a very familiar environment because it was a peninsula, but, you know, I had someone watching me. It was a US Open, just happened to be a US Open yeah. champ. Is there something, Jamie, that I could have practised and been more, I guess, conscious of practising that just helps get into that mode quicker into that Absolutely. Height. Yeah. So, what would that? Absolutely. Like? Yeah. So, it's um, if I if I tell a brief little story, I actually post it. It's something that I've I've spoken about in 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 parts for years. But it, the video I posted on the the private Facebook group uh, from the UFC fighter actually brought the story back up again, and it's it's similar to if you know we had a a, a rope two feet off the ground, you know, just from one wall to another in our in our house, and we practiced walking across that tightrope, okay, it's two, it's two feet off the ground and we become very competent at that action of walking across that tightrope, okay. We, we become very, very competent. But then all of a sudden we put that tightrope up between two buildings 100 metres in the air. It's still the exact same action but the environment changes, yeah. So what we need to do in those moments where the environment changes and can trigger a change in thinking, we have to then back, come back to the specific actions 
of walking that tightrope or the specific action of hitting that golf shot. So one way that, that we can prepare ourselves for that, uh, that first tee nerves is when you're on the range, the you know, last five or six balls before you hit that shot, imagine yourself on the range, but think about what the actions are. What are the steps your mind's going to focus on so that your mind can stay attached to the actions and not the environment? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's, it's almost it's, like uh, building on um, a confidence. So as you're building your confidence to be able to take that's that same steps every time you walk up to the first tee so it's almost it can even start in the car on the way there most people drive to a golf course so um i think you taught me that so yeah. <laughs> i i I'd actually do i can see myself driving down warrigal road um, yeah. and i'm in the car and i've already started especially when you know a competition like pennant or a match play against another um member and yeah. i'll I'll be in the car and I'll start deep breathing and, yep. you know, just even counting, you know, from one to ten over and over just to keep myself in the car and not already on the first tee, you know. Yep. And by the time I get to the first tee, I've been there for half an hour stressing out. So yep. in the car, I'm just like, stay in the car, Nick. You know, you don't need to get out yet. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely too. And one of the things that... I've discussed a lot with the women uh, that, that I've worked with at Royal Melbourne um, is the self-identity um, that how you perform today, what happens on the golf course today doesn't say anything about you as a person. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. You know, it's just, it's because we, this is, the, this is one area where, where men and women differ a lot is, a man will play a horrible round of golf for the most part and they won't carry it with them or they won't emotionalise it or personalise it uh, anywhere near as much as women. Now, some do, but women have a tendency to really feel very embarrassed about their performance and possibly even not go into the clubhouse afterwards because they don't want to be seen, they don't want to be spoken about and the and that fear and worry and concern really just dramatically amplifies um, amplifies that stress and anxiety. So getting women to understand the way you play golf says nothing about you. Your self-identity and your golf identity are two completely different things. And, you know, I've had some, some, some male clients in the past who are brain surgeons, who are doctors, and they get so riled up because they've got such a high expectation of themselves just in everyday life they're one of the best in their field and they don't want to be that person that's just a mediocre crappy golfer that you know in their eyes plays off 20 and you know is is no good but um you know it's a really interesting dynamic that self-identity and that athletic identity if we can separate that then we're taking one of the main triggers away for stress and anxiety yeah, I like that. And I can see, um, like we talk about um, how they feel after the round and, and they're judging their, their own character on, on after the round, even before they get to the first tee, to be yeah. saying those words that you've just said, yeah, before the game's yeah. even started. Yeah. yeah. That would help, and then, yes. 
Yeah, for sure. And then that, that becomes a, you know, the old self-fulfilling prophecy or the confirmation bias that I've spoken about is once you start to create and repeat a story to yourself about yourself, you'll behave in a way that will confirm that to yourself. Mm. So it's just a very interesting um, process that uh, we want women to be a little bit more aware of is if we take the personal element out of this golf shot, that this golf shot, all it means is I either executed this shot well or I executed it poorly or I executed it fantastically. And we just take out that's all it is. And I think I mentioned to you on the phone today, Nikki, about applied meaning, yeah. that it has no other meaning to anything other than just that. If we can keep the meaning as simple as that, then we're also going to detach from a lot of those mental and emotional triggers. Um, but then when we look at applied meaning for women, um, you know, if the first team nerves, you know, they may have made up in their mind that they've hit two poor shots in a row off the first tee and they just can't seem to get on top of it. So all of a sudden this shot now means something greater than what it does. Um, if there's embarrassment, they're playing with a good golfer, so the fear of embarrassment might be even higher. Like the different levels of applied meaning um, is what creates that overactive uh, thinking, that uh, overactive emotional state, and therefore, you know, brain fade uh, gets triggered pretty quickly. So, um, so I think if you can just continue to pass that content on, that how you play today means nothing and says nothing about you as a person. Um, it so will help to just yeah. yeah yeah no I love that and with the applied meaning and let's say because I can I can see um, everyone benefiting from it but especially the grassroots ladies yeah so like what would be a great strategy for them to um, to initiate that thought process before they even get to the golf course so we're talking um, you know uh, fairway birdies who haven't got a handicap yet and they're really yeah. just you know. They don't count their shots with their, their grassroots. They're at the start of their journey. Yep. So um, I could, that could be very beneficial, that thought process for, the, for them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love a lot of like little anchors and little triggers. So there, you know, there might be uh, uh, something that one of the ladies is listening, you know, it might be that self-identity thing we spoke about. It might be something else that really they feel resonates with them. All I would say is to, create a short, sharp statement and use it as an affirmation just to repeat and reinforce days prior to that round. You know, it might be something like today's round means nothing other than I played well or I played poorly. It doesn't say anything about myself. It just, it is what it is. It's just a game of golf, you know, really trying to trigger that, that, that thought pattern. Um, they can write trigger words or anchor words on their glove. Um, yeah that help to just re remember it, reinforce it, um, you know, so there's a lot of different little strategies they can do there. And also, I don't know whether they have, but I've had some ladies that I've worked with that sometimes, and these are ladies with handicaps, if they're feeling really uncomfortable for, for a variety of reasons, I say to them, if you were to walk a hole and give yourself one hole where you're not playing, you're just trying to get yourself down. We go through some breathing techniques, clear your mind and get ready for the next hole. What's the negative impact of that? And then they would say, oh, but I have a wipe. 
But then I would say, what score do you think you would most likely have if you were to play that hole in that heightened state anyway? And then I would say, I would probably have a wipe. But instead of from an anxiety point of view um, or an emotional point of view, walking a hole might get them from an 8 out of 10 back down to a 5 out of 10, which is functioning. But if they play that hole at an 8 out of 10 and they don't perform as well as they'd like, which is probably a very high percentage of, they go from an 8 to a 9 or even greater, and then they're just... The, the negative impact that's had on them is, is, is quite, uh, quite a lot. So, you know, I'll, quite often I'll say to people, sometimes walking a hole um, can be very, very beneficial because golf's not about this round of golf. Golf's about a journey. You know, for us, it's a lifelong journey. It's, yeah. it's not about one round of golf. It's about, you know, the next 20 years is a round of golf in my eyes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, until someone puts me in a wheelchair and I can't play anymore. <laughs> or they close the courses. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's right. That's, uh, um, but, yeah, I think that's, you know, so but, but being mindful to prepare for your reality. If your reality is you're, you know, you're a beginner golfer, you're anxious, you're nervous, you have a fear of embarrassment and it gets quite heightened, don't try and push that away, block it out, be embarrassed by that. Actually invite that in and accept that, you know what, this is just who I am at the moment. Okay, one of the most powerful words is yet. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I currently I am anxious and I'm uh, a bit stressed and I'm not quite where I want to be yet so that we can actually look at this is not fixed this is not who I'm going to stay in the game of golf. I'm learning skill sets that I will be able to get comfortable and get confident. And I think one of the important things is confidence is a word that we throw around a lot and it's a, it's a very powerful word, but confidence doesn't come from just a, a fluffy statement of being co- confident. It's about competence. You have to have a level of competence to experience real confidence and that competence has to come from information. So if ladies are uncomfortable about something, whether it's how to hit a bunker shot, whether it's uh, going to the pro shop and signing in, whatever it is, we all need to educate and the clubs need to educate those golfers to give them that, that information to build competence. So when they get to the car park, they're not like, oh, my God, what do I do now? I don't want to embarrass myself. What if I ask the wrong question or what if I go in the wrong door or yeah. Or whatever, whatever. Um, it's, you know, we all need to educate everyone about uh, what they need to do to feel competent and comfortable so that real confidence can, can get built. Yes. And that's why, that's why I think, you know, your group, Nikki, is, is absolutely fantastic because it gives that entry level into golf uh, such a comfortable, you know, uh, environment for women to come in and, and, and allow them to learn what what is it, what is golf all about? What do I do? What you know? Do I sign in? Who do I pay? What do I do with my my clubs? And just simply teeing a ball up, for example, it's just all these little things. It's um, yeah, the etiquette of golf, even. And I know the etiquette's relaxed a little bit with ready golf, and we don't have to play in order. But you know, uh, ladies coming into the game don't know about that. They just might see it as a stuffy, male-dominated uh, sport. I think um, the, the the more it grows, the um, the higher participation rate because um, 
you know, as Fairway Birdies has grown, um, it's just encouraged more and more women to feel like that they're accepted and they can be out on the golf courses. Yeah. So, um, you know, really all it's taken is an invitation. Yeah. Come out, play golf. Yeah. And yeah. you can come by yourself yeah. because, you know, all, all um, standard golfers can play with each other. You know, it's, it's that, that sport that is, we all know that you can play with each other. It doesn't really matter what handicap you have or even if you have a handicap, it doesn't matter. So, yes, the more um, women see women playing, yeah. the greater the participation will be. And I said to I said to Roscoe today um, that one of the big differences between men and women is men go out there and play their round of golf, and we really only focus on ourselves. Like we're there for a bit of fun, a bit of chat, but we our mates have hit it in the trees and looking for a ball, and we're, we're walking down the fairway. We're not even we don't even care. Like was oh my god, I forgot he was in the trees. Where yeah. Women are so the opposite. They're so worried about everyone else and, you know, am, am I keeping up in the group in front so the group behind is not waiting and, you know, Julie hit it in the trees over there. I better go and help her find her ball. And, like, it's, you know, golf for men, it's just such a different game. And, you know, some of the things that I've said to, uh, said to some of the women that I've worked with who, you know, they are so worried about other people um, and I said, look, that's all good and well. If you want to spend the majority of your time when you're going to golf, which is your own personal outlet, um, hopefully an outlet to take you away from some of the stresses and anxiety in real life and come to an environment where you're allowed yourself some time to do what you want to do and to love what you want to do, Give yourself the freedom to actually step into that and only focus on yourself and yourself only for the next five hours. If you want to worry about everyone else behind you, the only time that that's okay is if those people are the ones that are paying your subscription fees. Yes. But while you're paying your subscription fees, focus on yourself. Mm. So, you know, I think that's a, a big difference between, uh, you know, men and women and um Obviously, that is such a that has a big negative impact on women enjoying the game and helping their own game. Um, and for men, it, yeah. it, it helps men, but doesn't make them the nicest people to be around. Sometimes, yeah. You mentioned before that our etiquette has changed. Uh, uh, is you know relaxing a little bit more. Yeah. Do you think um, it will relax even more, and and the game will become um, a little bit more American, more social, um, playing different games, skin, you know, just, yep. you know, changing it up a little bit, um, having a younger generation coming through the ranks um, in, in golf clubs and, and, and private golf courses, um, more to the point, and just, you know, modernising a little bit. Do you... Do you guys agree with that? Do you think that would be good for our game? I think it. I think it has to absolutely unequivocally. It has to for the future of the game for you know younger people to grow into the game. You know we need to adapt it away from the only way to play golf, whether you want to play on a Saturday or a Sunday or when whatever day is to register and play in the comp and hand the card in and be judged on your handicap and your score and all of that sort of thing. Not everyone wants to do that. 
and I think there has to be a little bit more diversity in in the allowing people to experience golf the way that they want to. And if you want to play competitively each week, week in, week out, and play for your dollars or whatever it is that you do in whatever club you're a part of, that's fine. Go and do that, and that's great. But I do think that there needs to be a little bit more variety um, available for people to play as members of golf clubs in a way that they want, not the way that a structure or a system or a you know club syllabus says that they have to. That's my we thought. Spoke about, we spoke about this Wednesday, Nikki, actually, when, when we all played um, – Andrew Sconville, a client of mine who's a pro, he said how much he's enjoyed playing golf the last week without a scorecard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and Mike Clayton had been telling him for years, mate, it's the best thing. Like, just throw the scorecard away, grab half a set and play. And I can honestly say yesterday when we played, it was the first time I, I had the scorecard back in my hand and I was really conscious of, What's the difference? I've enjoyed golf those last three rounds of last week more than I have in a hell of a long time. And Roscoe's the first to, to know how I've really struggled the last couple of years having any sort of competitiveness in my own game. My handicap's gone out about five shots in the last 12, 15 months. And basically the main reason it is is because I don't care about my score. I'll pick up my ball in the middle of a hole because I don't care about if I get a five for two or a six for one. Like I'm just not, I'm not, I don't have any competitiveness, but because I'm in an environment where it tells me I have to compete, there's that internal conflict. And last week when I didn't have that internal conflict, I fell in love with golf again to a level that I haven't felt for years. So you know, even to the point, yes, I thought, I don't need a scorecard. I don't need to enter the comp. Mm. I pay my membership fees. Nikki, I'll, I'll ask you how you feel about that in a second and get your perspective, which I think I sort of got an insight into already. But, you know, where my mind's at with my golf now after not playing for eight weeks and, you know, just going a little bit from, you know, what Jamie's just articulated and, and how I felt yesterday. Now, coming away from yesterday, you know, all I remember about yesterday is the good shots that I hit and where I made some pars and that's all I don't want to remember I remember I parred the two hardest holes in the course I'm really happy with that my score was rubbish but you know that that really doesn't matter but what I'm sort of starting to think now is I I still want to get my handicap to a level where you know I set my goal at the start of the year there's been an eight-week delay but I think I need to go about it differently and really prepare for you know those competitive rounds much in a much more structured way like do some practice you know, work on my game in the areas that I need to and, and work on my mental strategies like, you know, Jamie and I talk about and we work on. But those week-to-week rounds, you know, the, the the Wellness Wednesdays, make it really about Wellness Wednesday for a lot more of it, but use my use it as practice time and preparation time and then maybe set some structure around, well, you know, Saturday the 15th, that's when I'm going to play a competitive round and that's when I'm going to hold myself accountable to the work that I've been doing. And I've never really sort of shared that view but it's just sort of something that's came to me recently so jamie i don't know you know what do you guys think when when you hear me talk like that and suggest that sort of thing well i am deeply in love with what you just said like prepare yourself to compete Mm. like you know build yourself okay well this is the date i'm going to put a card in i'm going to compete but you know 
I'm going to do some work or I'm just going to enjoy playing with my mates and, and I don't feel like competing today. I don't feel like the stress of a scorecard and or just that cognitive shift that happens when we have to put a scorecard in. And I, I, I love that. I think if we had that, we could start a movement, mm. you know. Um, I mean, I, I just love that. I don't know about you, Nikki, but I, I love that. Well, I do have a little bit of input in a calendar of a golf club. And um, after the last three games playing without a scorecard and just social golf, and um, I think I mentioned it to you, Jamie, like I um, I didn't notice such a massive change in my emotion from a good shot to a bad shot. Like usually it's you know, one's right up here and one's right down there as low as you can go. But I was just, I accepted it and I and I could move on to the next shot and I didn't think about it for the next three holes. Yep. Um, I could find myself, if I needed to go, you know, visually to my last good shot, I could find it quite easily, you know, try and emulate it. But if not, I just wasn't affected. Yep. And um, speaking of a calendar, yeah, I'd love to just make Thursdays a yep day of the week at the club and every other day is social and yeah. you can put a card in but you don't have to you know what I, I think I, in I, victoria everybody's focused so solely on their handicap and you know people watch it go up and down by 0.1 0.2 whatever it is yeah and um and i just i don't know i, do, I think it ruins the game a little bit i think it, it, that's where sometimes people struggle with um the expectation and, you know, it would be easier. I mean, Jamie, you might be out of a job, but, you know, you never know. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I still want to get to where I want to be. But and it's, this is really relevant, you know, for talking about the, the, the girls, uh, the new girls coming into the game. Imagine if that was more a, struct, a, a defined part of how we do it. And the thing that I think about then following on from what you just said, Nikki, is, Imagine the mood in the clubhouse. Yes. Imagine the environment, you know, and that's why we all join these clubs, you know, because mm. we, we want that club and that socialisation and, and to hang out with people at the end of the round and, and have some fun and some banter and some chat. Imagine if it didn't matter what we scored on the day. Imagine, I, I just think the mood in the clubhouse is just going to be so much more light and levitated and, and you know, half of the field, you know, is not going to be concerned about that they didn't score more than 30 points and aren't getting a ball or the $20 voucher or whatever, I just think it would be just a such create a different environment and atmosphere sure. in the clubhouse. Yeah. yeah, and I think green space would mean so much more too and we get the benefits of, you know, being in a green space without all the stress. And- oh, and you think, about, you think about how the clubs benefit. If you love being in an environment, you're going to want to spend more time there. Now, golf clubs are, you spend more time there, most likely you're going to spend more money there as well. You're going to have breakfast or lunch after a round, before a round. Um, but, Nikki, it, I felt exactly the same thing without a scorecard where you said your acceptance was so much better and it comes back to one thing and one thing only and it is because it didn't mean anything. Yeah. When we've got a scorecard, that shot now means something. So I think one thing that, that we want to really build on for not only the, the ladies at Fairways Birdies and but for all of us is let's treat each shot or each situation or each round 
like it really doesn't mean anything. So we can actually deactivate all of those emotional triggers that we may experience in the round the golf. Yep. Okay. So um, now we obviously know that if we hit the ball in the trees, it means I've hit the ball in the trees. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't mean anything greater than I just hit the ball in the trees. Um, so, you know, it's, um, I, I think it's just such a, it was such a cool experience for, for you know, you last week, for, for us last week, Roscoe, for Sconners, um, to actually play golf without a scorecard so that we don't trigger and activate any of those negative emotional patterns that, that happen in and around the golf. And it's, it's not, you know, we're wanting a cop-out. It's just saying that's the true love of golf. How can we transfer that uh, into competition? And as Ross said, it's like, okay, well, I don't want to compete every single round, but I want to say, okay, I'm going to compete in two weekends' time, the monthly medal. I'm going to throw myself in the deep end. I'm going to play stroke off the back tees, but I'm ready for that. I'm actually looking forward to that challenge. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good conversation to have and um, interesting one for us to try and see how we, uh, we can apply that moving forward. Yeah, well, since starting Fairway Birdies, before I started it, yeah, I was way too serious, took it way too serious. Yeah. And I wasn't enjoying it. And yeah. um, and now I've seen it from the other side again, where I yeah. used to be when I first started, and I'm yeah. enjoying it so much more. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've realised well, I probably missed out on, you know, quite you know, a few years of enjoying the game of golf. Yeah. And being out there on the fairway yeah. with friends and, yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's and that's that's the main reason you know that we we, we came into the game, and uh, uh, I think that's the most important uh, element of golf is is just how much we enjoy the game, the challenge, but the environment, the people, and I think Roscoe, to be honest, uh, I feel like there could be another uh, part two, part three of this, and especially once we get some feedback from the uh, Fairway Birdies group, um, yeah, I think we can. Uh, we can really uh, take this to an to a whole nother level. Nikki, would you be happy to uh, join us again, and and maybe you know one day with this new way of communicating via Zoom and not having to, uh, you know, get together face to face to be able to have great conversations? Would would you be happy enough to maybe get one of the other um, girls that you've been involved with in the group to come and share their stories about golf and how they enjoy it and and what they've. Um, you found enjoyable yeah, absolutely. about the game? Yeah. yeah, I'd love to if you have me back. And, right. um, yeah, I could already, I know some girls that would definitely um, love to get involved. Well, right. they always can uh, with the mental master there, Jamie Glazier. Anyway, he's obviously available to be booked uh, from a coaching sense at any, any time. No problems there. But, you know, in terms of this environment and for the podcast, which just goes out for, to a lot of people, and we really do thank everyone that is tuning in as it grows. We really do appreciate it. Nikki, I really appreciate the work that you do for the game of golf and for the game of golf uh, for all the girls that you're bringing into the game and exposing the game um, to a wide audience. I see it, and I'm very grateful that I've got you on, on my side and, and, uh, and me on your side more so. Um, yes. so I, well, I should have said at the start, yeah, Roscoe, you've been an awesome support for Fairway Birdies and encouraged me right from the beginning. So, um, yeah, thank you to I you. Appreciate Big that. Didn't have, to, didn't have to say that, but uh, thank you. But, uh, yeah, it's been great to have you on um, and we should continue continue this journey because, yeah, it's it's very rare that we, um, you know, you're a, you're a rare a rare diamond in this uh, game and we, we need to keep close. So um, let's let's keep doing that, eh? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. 
It's really good. I don't think, look, Roscoe, I mean, I know with my own personal experience here at Settlers Run, where I live and, and have been a member for a number of years, and, and Jackie plays, the women's group there is such a close-knit group. They, I won't say they run the place, but uh, on a Saturday afternoon, they've got their, you know, five or six groups of women that play, and then they get to the uh, clubhouse afterwards, and they have their wine or their champagne, and it's just such a great environment. They've all become such good friends, and it's... Um, yeah, just, you know what? There are so many of those environments out there. It's yeah. just somewhere along the line, we lost contact with them. Yep, and that's we need to find them again because there are heaps and heaps of groups of girls, yep. um, golf clubs, um, but they're just they just need to grow. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we can help that. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. For All right, sure. guys. Well, let's wrap it up on that. Thanks for uh, tuning in, everyone. If you've listened to this podcast and you think that. Uh, Someone else hearing it might uh, benefit from that and it might help us achieve what Nikki's just articulated. Please feel free to share it with them. Um, jump in and join into the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast Facebook group. It's a private group and uh, it was really starting to grow and give everyone insights uh, at a much deeper level. So it's a really good spot to be in. Some great content being shared by all the members there. So we encourage you to join that. And I guess um, until next time, you know, I look forward to catching up with you all, as does Jamie on the other end of this uh, computer line here for the next episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. <laughs>